Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. Church leadership roles come in all shapes and sizes. This week I'm joined by Derek Burnside who is on the leadership team and staff team of Belmont Chapel, Exeter, an independent church at the heart of the city, which Derek has been part of for 20 years. Formerly a full-time school teacher, Derek still teaches in a local school, as well as, as well as having wider links with the Keswick Convention and Partnership UK, the networking body for brethren-rooted churches. A former staff worker with UCCF, Derek continues his student involvement via mentoring. So welcome, Derek, to Leadership File. Thank you very much. And good, good, good to... Um, uh, to chat again obviously we work together on at uccf so we um it's good to resume uh connection with you uh, i mentioned I that he was a very senior staff member uh, and i was just a rookie <laughs> well that's that is that derek. is tr- that is true actually derek yes <laughs> <laughs> yes we uh there we go um I, I mentioned you were a school teacher in my introduction uh, what did you teach and uh and to whom I taught RE mainly, a little bit of English as a subsidiary, but uh, mainly um, GCSE and A-level RE uh, to comprehensive school kids. I started in a large comprehensive down in Exmouth in Devon. I was there for three years full-time, four years part-time. Right. Uh, and your wife was also a teacher? Yeah, Penny um, Penny was a primary school teacher. Then she was a head teacher uh, of a local primary school here in Devon for 10 years. Um, and then she went into... Uh, advisory role she's currently an education officer for the diocese of exeter so she's helping state church of england schools develop and sustain their christian ethos yeah terrific good Uh, and you kept a foot in in what's sometimes called the real world in teaching have you found the the connection with work outside the church to be a help yeah i'm i'm barely still doing a little bit of teaching i I teach one uh, a level ethics group in uh, a local school so a2 ethics for listeners who who understand that that's the second year of sixth form the last exams they do before they go on to university so i'm in for uh, uh, one afternoon and one morning a week teaching a small group of of sixth formers um, ethics and it's fantastic yeah i find it's a a benefit on all sorts of levels it's great Mm. Because, uh, I mean, many church leaders worldwide are, are bivocational, of course. Uh, we're a little unusual in, in one sense in the UK, in a world sense, uh, having lots of so-called full-time staff. I mean, forgive the language, but, um, I mean, do you, do you see the advantages of, of, of I mean, you've already said it's, it's excellent to do, but are there particular advantages of having a, a foot in, in that particular camp as well as, uh, as serving in a local church? Yeah, there, there are lots. Um, I find it, it just keeps my own apologetics pretty sharp for a start. I'm teaching a group of fairly intelligent 18-year-olds. We're looking at a whole range of ethical issues, um, sexual ethics, environmental ethics, business ethics, 
uh, and the course includes a biblical perspective on all that as well as other philosophical approaches so you get to hear very frank fairly incisive critique from these youngsters on on what they think of what the bible is saying and that just helps me keep my own thinking really sharp um it's great for balance you know church leadership church ministry can be fairly boundaryless unless you're careful and and quite all uh all encompassing so just having another community to commit to and to give some headspace to just to get away from from belmont chapel occasionally that's really helpful and I think, too, a, a big part of what we're doing here is, as I'm sure is the case with loads of your listeners, is just trying to encourage our church community to be intentional about mission. We've been really helped recently by the LICC frontline, London Institute frontline stuff. And so we're encouraging people to, to be missionaries on their secular front lines. And as leaders, I think we find it really helpful if we can model that and know what that feels like. So I wake up on Monday morning and I have to go to school and I don't always want to and I have essays to mark and lessons to plan and parents' evenings to attend and and knowing a small part of what of what the kind of folks in our fellowship who are in full time secular employment and trying to be missionaries in that setting are going through is just really helpful. So on all those levels, it's it's great. Oh, great! I mean, it it can be very much that ministers live in it or so called ministers um, in the term of full time sense live in this uh, idealized world and kind of imagine. It must be easy for their parishioners or their members of their church to to get out and do the business. And why aren't they doing it better? And forget the, some of the challenges that exist. Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a younger leader, I was really helped by um, a lot of the Willow Creek stuff that was going mm. around at the time in the in the early nineties into the two thousands. Particularly influential for us then. I know it's all still around and it's great. But I was always struck by by Bill Hybels and his integrity and the number of contemporary current stories he could tell about his non-Christian friends and his witness to them. And, and that stayed with me, I think. Uh, so just trying to model it and do it as leaders as well as encourage others to do it um, is, is vital, I think. Mm. So you're, um, Belmont Chapel is uh, an independent church at the, at the heart of the city. It has some, some brethren roots, um, and uh, you, you're, you're involved in, the, in Partnership UK, um, which... Um, you know, is a kind of a body that helps sort of network between brethren rooted churches. Yeah. Um, some people may not be aware, and I come from a brethren background myself. Just how what enormous contribution brethren churches uh, and well, they would call themselves assemblies, of course, have have provided to evangelicalism in certainly in the last century. Um, often providing, you know. Uh, focus on the gospel when when lots of other denominations had had lost the centrality um but sadly many have struggled um and um you know many churches of that ilk have have declined and died um and just wondering you know you're involved in partnership uk how are things today uh, i think the, the 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 answer probably would be in terms of in terms of growth um or size of churches from that kind of tradition in the UK, it's pretty static at the moment, certainly from Partnership UK's mm. viewpoint, uh, from what our stats tell us. There's something like, probably something like 400 Brethren Assemblies in the UK still operating. About 150 of those, just under 150, are members of Partnership. Um, and, and we see that number staying fairly static. New churches join, but some churches will close or, or, or leave that network. So, to be honest, not a huge amount of growth, I think, certainly in terms of numbers of churches joining the network, not decline either, which 
which is some kind of a turnaround for brethren in the UK. It I is think. very much. Yeah. And, and in the midst of that, some really encouraging signs as well. Uh, partnership's working quite, I'm not involved in the national leadership anymore, but I know Partnership's working really hard to strengthen local churches. There's five regional coordinators working hard around the country to encourage local leaderships of churches in particular. And there's just some exciting stuff happening, not just with Partnership, but with other agencies from that kind of brethren-rooted background. Your listeners might be familiar with organizations like Counties or uh, the Church Strengthening Initiative, which is seeking to get consultants into local churches that need some help, sometimes with some funding to help um, pay for some full-time assistance where that can be useful. Uh, We're doing a little bit of work at the moment with the Church Planting Initiative, which is a network of church planters around the country. I've got a meeting tomorrow, actually, with some guys down here looking to see a church planted down in Devon. So there's just some really encouraging signs of, of new growth, new shoots coming through. But but as I say, it's against a pattern generally of of, um, of a fairly static pattern of, of, of non-growth at the moment. But, <coughs> but we see great encouragements locally in certain places. So here at Belmont, we, we see some very exciting things going on. But nationwide, it's it's not the cheeriest of situations, I don't think. Well, certainly when I was part, part of the Brethren myself, um, 70s and 80s, but Belmont Chapel was 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 one of the kind of the bright bright signs, really, um, of of churches around the, the nation that that were were seeing stability, indeed growth. Um, uh, what what kind of changes have you seen? You've been there 20 years, um, and and things are still still vibrant. Um, you know, what would be what would be the th- the things that you would point to that would a part of that of that stability and growth yeah I, th- I think one of the great strengths of of what should be a brethren distinctive should be this hasn't always been the case andy as you well know but but should be flexibility there should be a huge amount of freedom in any individual brethren assembly independent evangelical churches with very flat structures so ideally there should be the flexibility to change um with what's appropriate for the setting and for the culture. So certainly at Belmont, there's been a massive change of style. Over the, I've been on staff for 20 years. I've been a part of the church for actually for 30 years. Oh, now. right. Okay. Yeah. And um, huge change of style. So far greater informality and openness. There's been a change in things like the service patterns. So listeners with a you know, sense of what a, a traditional brethren assembly might have looked like. That, that old pattern of a morning breaking of bread service and an evening gospel service, that's long gone, I think, in, it's certainly here and in a lot of um, more progressive brethren-rooted churches around the country. Um, and we've replaced it with patterns of, of service and, and outreach, particularly, that make much more sense culturally in the settings we're in. Uh, certainly for us, we've seen growth. We've, we've tripled in size over the last 20 years or so. Uh, we've seen change in the fabric, just in the shape of the building. We've doubled the footprint of our building. We've, we've done some theological rethinks as well we've we've looked again at our theology on spiritual gifts and on the role of women and on divorce and remarriage in recent years and and come to different conclusions about our stand on those things so there's been some flexibility in some of those um what are sometimes thought of as secondary doctrines um yeah so yeah so some stuff hasn't changed i hope there's still real evangelistic passion there's still a clear commitment to world mission there's a growing sense of of the importance of um, of mercy ministries, kind of social action ministries in the city and beyond. Still a still a great heart for partnership with other 
evangelical churches. That's always been a distinctive, I think, of Belmont, and that's certainly continued as well. So lots of change, but it's been it's been exciting. No, it's it's, thr- it's worth thrilling to hear. Um, you know, and, and good on you for for having the the space to to think differently about some of these issues when um you know when when often folk are, are stuck in something of a rut and and fear um fear thinking differently because they they don't you know they don't want to get it wrong so um so that's, that's terrific yeah i wasn't i wasn't born or brought up in the brethren i was i was converted as a sixth former by some non-christian friends so i don't have any kind of heritage baggage with the brethren at all but um the Lord's led me into brethren churches since I was converted, really, and I've just always been struck by the flexibility of the brethren churches I've been part of, which I know is not is far from the mm. sort of um, common impression of the brethren. But that's never been my experience. They've always been hugely flexible. While you're listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck, I'm joined this week by Derek Burnside. Derek is on the leadership team and staff team of Belmont Chapel Exeter. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Derek Burnside. Uh, Derek is uh, on the leadership team and staff team of Belmont Chapel, Exeter, an independent church at the heart of the city. Derek is also uh, a, f- um, a part-time, um, at least he, he does a, a little bit of uh, work with the ethics class there in Exeter, uh, so keeps his foot in the, the local stool industry. And we're talking before the break of of, of how Belmont has, has, has kind of brethren roots and has been able to... Um, to rethink some of its outlook and theology and practice and style uh, in order to be uh, a vibrant church in a, you know, for the contemporary 21st century. Um, Derek, just, just staying on the, the kind of brethren aspect of things, if I may, um, I've, I had uh, friends who were uh, full-time workers within brethren churches in the early days when um, uh, they were starting to, to bring in full-time workers. And, of course, the, the brethren theology was that you know, the, 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 it was plural leadership. You didn't have a quote a minister, uh, one one person above anyone else. And um, some of these folk, particularly over the uh, most, they're all men, um, struggled big time because it was so hard to create a, a kind of niche for ministry um, in a plural leadership structure where everyone was regarded as they all had to have a say. And I'm just wondering how you found it. Um, and you've you've intimated already that Belmont's perhaps not typical uh, of churches. Yeah, one of the brethren distinctives we have actually retained uh, as a church is plural leadership. So mm. we still don't call anybody senior minister or pastor, okay. um, which can be slightly confusing for the outside world, but mm. but it makes sense for us. So, yeah, so yeah. as you introduced me at the start, my my official title is the is the snappy, you know, member of the staff team and leadership team at Belmont mm. Chapel. But but um, we've never called anyone a senior leader or pastor here. Sure, and and that. That's actually really worked well for us. Mm. I know you're quite right. It's, a, it's been a real struggle for some brethren-rooted churches that have gone into taking on full-time members. But personally, I've, I've loved it. I think partly I was really helped by the kind of background I walked into. I wasn't the first full-time worker at Belmont. The first was Jonathan Lamb, who some of you listeners may be familiar Indeed, with. Indeed, yes, yes. Jonathan was the first full-time worker here in the early 80s, and he already had a long history both with the Brethren and with Belmont itself. He'd been a student here, undergraduate here. Um, so he understood and valued plural leadership and worked within it as a lay elder before he was a member of staff. So that really helped. Similarly, I'd been a member of the church for almost a decade before I became a member of the leadership t- team and the staff. And I think it must be tougher 
if someone's coming from a kind of senior pastor model of leadership into plural leadership and the risk of a collision of styles and understandings and expectations must be so much greater I think with that but 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 nonetheless I think it's personally I think it's a fantastic way for church leadership to work I think it's got huge strengths draws on a variety of gifts and passion within a team I think it's it's a really great way of sustaining balance on a team. Particularly, I think it lessens that temptation to build a personal reputation, you know, to become a kind of hero pastor, CEO, kind of church leader. That temptation is, is greatly lessened in this structure. I think it pushes us to focus on building churches rather than reputations. Um, it needs a, a humility, I think, a necessity to listen and bear with each other and really live out and model body life together. I, I love the fact that you you share success together as a team and you share the struggle and the pressure and the criticism that comes with leadership. That's that's a huge blessing when you carry both the kind of successes and the and the burdens, the tensions together as a team. Um I think plural leadership makes succession easier. You know, when leaders leave, uh it's not doesn't all fall apart because it was around one particular individual. And, and what else? I, I guess stuff like continuity of long-term vision and ethos of a fellowship is easier because it's emerged from a team and not just from one individual who, who could come and go. So for all, all those reasons, I, I, I love plural leadership. I, it works well here, and um, I'm, I'm just really glad that's the method we're practicing. I know any form of church leadership, I th I'm sure, can work well when folks are Christ-like and godly, but uh, and servant-hearted, but uh, this this works really well here. No, it's great, great to hear. Um, I mean, I'm looking back at your time. What's encouraged you most? You've you've hinted at some of the great encouragements you've seen. Yeah, we. I suppose one of the things that's encouraged us most is most is 15, 15 years ago we started uh, an intern scheme, which I know loads of loads of larger churches do this, but but that's been a huge encouragement we've had on average, I guess, four interns a year. For the last 15 years so we've seen now getting on for for 60 youngsters come through that and that's been fantastic two of them are on our leadership team at the moment uh, many of them are still in the church and, and playing some really key roles others have gone on to lead churches elsewhere some are out as missionaries many are just fantastic pillars of local churches in sort of secular tent making roles but absolutely integral to their their church life so seeing those youngsters come through get trained up often be sent out, grow in Christ-likeness, just grow for, grow in their love of local church. That's That's been great. Mm. That's been great. Splendid. And, and what have you learned about leadership, looking back? This may sound slightly heretical. I, I, think, I think sometimes we make too much of leadership as British mm. evangelicals. No, sure. <clears throat> I, it, it's a spiritual gift that's used as part of body life. And... Um, I think another benefit of a slightly flatter structure of leadership that comes from our background is that it lessens there being a sense of them and us, you know, leaders and the rest of the congregation. We are we are body parts together of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head. We're not. We're servants of Jesus together with folks of other giftings. Mm. We're members of his body together. And I think that both keeps leadership in perspective. It keeps leaders a little bit more humble perhaps just gives us that greater sense of interdependence with the rest of the body. And, you know, I've I've been here 30 years. I think part of the longevity of being in one place that long has been that sense of body life. Um, that's, that's been great. 
No, it was great to hear. I mean, amen to all you said. Um, I mean, you're, you're clearly your wider ministry with Keswick um, has helped, I guess, keep your perspective broad. Most people will be familiar with the Keswick Convention, uh, which is up, you know, geographically up in in, uh, in Cumbria, of course. Yeah, it's been a joy to be part of that team, partly because you get to serve with some fantastic folks. Um, you get to hear, obviously, some of the finest English-speaking Bible teaching in the world, summer by summer, which has been great. You one thing that we've worked fairly hard on is to hear voices from around the world. I know we're not unique in that as a as a conference at all, but um, we've heard some great Bible teachers from elsewhere than than Europe uh, and North America. So that that's been great. I've been particularly involved in a thing called Keswick Unconventional in the last four or five years, which is a, a new art stream, which is relatively new to the Keswick Convention. I know that Spring Harvest and others have been using the arts brilliantly for years and years, but um, but recently at Keswick we've worked quite hard on seeing artists, comedians, scriptwriters, photographers, poets, and so on, enhancing the overall programme, and, and I've been involved in that. That's been great. That's a wonderful title, I have to say, Keswick Unconventional. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Not mine, sadly. I think that was a bit of Jonathan Lamb genius. Oh, well, yeah, yeah really good. Um, and, and books that have been a particular help to you over the years? There's a book I've read every year, I think, that's, without exaggeration, every year since I've been on staff, which... And that's because I, I do it with some of the one-to-ones. I do one-to-ones with students each year. And one of the things I'll do for one of the terms is this book. It's, um, it's Don Carson's A Call to Spiritual Reformation. And the book is, I mean, the title is quite terrifying, but it's, it's a fantastic book. He basically works through Paul's prayers in the New Testament and encourages us to, for our prayers to be shaped around those kind of emphases in the Pauline prayers. And it's just a fantastic book. I never get tired of it. It's uh, it's just a really great thing for keeping prayers on track, keeping ministry motivation clear and Christ-centred. Called to Spiritual Reformation by Don Carson. And uh, that's probably an IVP title, is it? It is IVP, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Good. So if you, I'll um, I'll try and include that as a link um, on the website. We um, <clears throat> this this show um, will be available on demand afterwards, and so people can go to the um, website and. Uh, and listen again, uh, but also get any links that we have. So I'll I'll stick that on that on that site. Terrific, uh, Derek. It's 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 been wonderful to catch up with you again, and um, and and exciting to hear you talk so warmly about plural leadership and about um, the way in which it's kind of worked for you and there in, Ex- in Exeter. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Andy. So you've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by. Derek Burnside. Derek is on the leadership team and staff team of Belmont Chapel, Exeter, an independent church at the heart of the city. If you're if you're listening and you're in that area, um, I guess Belmont's got a, a website, Derek, is it? Yes, it has, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just uh, belmontchapel.org.uk. Okay, so you can uh, you, you can connect with that ch- particular church if you're looking for a church in the area um, uh, uh, and you're nearby. Um, do listen to archived versions of the leadership file. Uh, by going to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk. Uh, and then you can navigate to radio and to the on-demand section, and you can see uh, archived versions of each file, including this one. We're also available on, on iTunes. Um, so, again, you can uh, download that to your listening device and listen uh, as you wish. So uh, thank you for your company. It's been uh, great to have you along with us. Um, do... Um, Email in ideas for guests and ideas and topics that you may feel we could uh, feature on the Leadership File. It would be great to to hear from you. Uh, Some of the guests that I've had 
in the past have been people that have uh, been suggested to me from listeners like yourself. So uh, it's been, as I say, great to, to have you with us. Uh, do tune in again next Sunday at 3.30. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.